Hello and welcome to 90% Hits, a podcast about the number one singles in Australia throughout the 90s. My name is Danny Yao and with me as usual is Tim Coyle. You know, you could always go on Ricky Lake. (laughs) (laughs) Casey Atkins. Good evening, everyone. And down the line from the Gold Coast, Tim Byron. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. Glibber, glabber, glabber, Um. (laughs) Okay, well... It gives it away. Look, let's go straight into it. We are in the end of 1998, heading into the start of 1999. This is actually our second last proper episode of 90% Hits in terms of new songs. We're almost at the end of the decade. We've almost made it, but we have a few songs to get to before we get there. Our first song that we're talking about tonight uh, was number one for three weeks at the end of 1998 and then the first three weeks of 1999, so six weeks all up. And this is The Offspring with Pretty Fly, open brackets, for a white guy, close brackets. And all the girlies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. You know it's kind of hard just to get along today Our subject isn't cool, but he fakes it anyway He may not have a clue and he may not have style But everything he lacks, well, he makes up in denial So don't debate, play us straight You know he really doesn't get it anyway Gotta find out feel and keep it real For you That was The Offspring with Pretty Fly for a White Guy, number one for six weeks uh, from 1998 into 1999. Uh, The big hit for The Offspring, and let's start with Tim Coyle. Yeah, I loathed this song when it came out. Um, And I'm correct in saying this was voted number one in the Hottest 100? Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, I found that profoundly profoundly upsetting Mm. at the time. And... um, it was just so obnoxious. Um, whatever satirical value was completely undermined by just how blunt it was. There was there was nothing clever about the humour or how they were actually sending these uh, the the wigger, uh, <laughs> wigger the wigger figure up. Um, and yeah, it was just the wigger figure. Wigger figure, yeah, kind of like the wigger man. And, Let's go in the bear suit again. Oh. <laughs> Which, yeah, we, we could just play that for the next five minutes and it'd be better than what I have to say about this song. But um, yeah, so I really loathed it. it. It was kind of it's it's a little weird with the offspring. Uh, I quite like the song Self Esteem and some of the songs on Smash, and then they kind of went downhill at a rate of knots. Uh, another reason for my not liking it much at all at the time was uh, we kind of covered it uh, I think of the last podcast where we spoke about kind of gatekeeping about what is punk and what is not and part of having the offspring definitely have that California punk sound but for me they were not punk 
and people kept calling them punk and I just kept tearing my hair out over that because you know there, there was nothing clever or biting or perceptive about what they were doing with, uh, with this song. Listening to it this week, I, I went into it with all that baggage and you know, it's not that bad, but it's still pretty bad. Um, the, the guitar sounds are, are pretty nice. Noodles does a good job. Um, ah, but, Noodles. Yeah, but that's, that's about the best I can say for it. A lot of the stuff that I was noticing of it being shit when I was 17 is, was actually pretty much dead on the money. It's, you know, it's really poor social satire. It's not actually funny. Uh, and yeah, it's really obnoxious. Casey Atkins. Yeah, all of that, pretty much. This is fucking terrible. Like, it is so bad. And um, when I listened to it this way, and, and I remember, like, all of the same things, like, back at, back in the day, after being pretty into a lot of the things from Smash, um, I heard this and was just embarrassed for everyone concerned. Um, and I listened to it again this week and just thought the exact same thing. It just, just, it's just awful. Um, I watched a live clip today of them doing it, um, at the Reading Festival. And I'm not sure when, um, but it's, it's, it wasn't in 1998. Like it was in the last 10 years, um, of them playing it live at the Reading Festival and they are not interested. Like they are not in, they're phoning it in and are pretty embarrassed by it themselves. You can tell. And at the end, and the crowd goes absolutely nutsoid for it. And at the end, the dude was in the Dexter says, Oh wow. Thanks a lot. So you were waiting for that one. Really? <laughs> so it was, it was really interesting. Um, and, but look, uh, every cloud, as usual, has a silver lining, and in this case, it is a silver lining in the shape of Weird Al Yankovic, and Pretty Fly for a Rabbi. Yeah, if we had to endure this song to get Pretty Fly for a Rabbi, then I'm happy enough. It's pretty yeah. Um, just a quick question to you, Casey, before we move on to Tim Byron. Uh, live, who does the Give It To Me Baby? It's recorded. Oh, really? It's yeah. Oh, like it's a so they play to a track, mm. and yeah. Oh, that's even worse. Okay, yeah. Tim Byron. I remember when this came out, but I liked it for like two weeks. Right. It was like I heard it for the first time. I was like, ah, there's hooks. I mean, there's so many hooks in this song. This is why it was so big. It's just like hook after hook after hook in the song. You know, there's like the give it to me baby bit. And then the kind of like the, all the girlies say pretty fly for a white guy. It's just like, it it really is like a song that's hook after hook after hook. And there's like lots of different hooks in it. So it doesn't quite get boring in the same way that, say, Who Let the Dogs Out gets boring when it's just the one <laughs> hook repeated a lot. This has got, like, five or six different hooks. And so, on that level, I was like, yeah, this is cool. And um, so, yeah, so I would have heard it and I would have liked it for, like, a couple of weeks. And then after that, I would have got bored of it because it's, like, it's a novelty song. Yeah. And, um, you know, novelty songs, I typically like them initially and then I get bored of them after two weeks, which is what happened with this song for me as well. For me, the um, Offspring, I liked... Uh, self-esteem and come out and play and never really sort of, like, they were a bit too, like, when they came out, I was a bit too young for them, but I was at about the right age when the second album, or when the second big album, Ixnay on the Hombre, came out, and I, someone had taped that for me, my friend Craig, I think, had taped that for me, and I listened to that one a fair bit and enjoyed it. That had Jello Biafra doing, like, an introduction kind of stuff. So, uh, I don't know, I don't know about Tim Coyle's, oh, it must be, like, do-do-do-do to be punk. 
You know, I think that's bullshit. I was, fuck I the was clash. talking from my 17-year-old perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you say enough. fuck the clash? Yeah, fuck the clash. Okay, well. Hey, uh, I mean, one of them's dead, but fine. Well, <laughs> you can say, I'm sure there's other people that you've said fuck this person and they're dead. It happens. Yeah, but like, not physically, but anyway, go on. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think I think that whole thing that punk must be something that happened in England in 1977 is and must be sort of politically based is just kind of like, you know, it's it's a nice idea in in principle and yeah has sure. no relation to reality. Anyway, um, yeah, I listened to this 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 week and the thing I think about it was that it was trying so hard to be a hit. This song that they were just packing it with these hooks and it totally does not work. It's like. You know, there's that kind of like Latino stuff in the song with the, the Latino sounding girls going, give it to me, baby. And the, um, you know, the, the bit that I repeated in the start of the thing. And it's like, why is there that in this song? It's like a song that's meant to be about wiggers. But they're, about in, like but white- they're, they're in Southern California. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. So therefore there's a large Latino population yeah, in, of, the, in the area. Of course they are. Comes, but, comes into the song. But are they making fun of Latino people who try to be wiggers? Are they like liggers? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't make sense in terms of the song that's talking about ice cube and vanilla ice, which is probably the best line in it, I reckon. Yeah, but, but, tweet um, your complaints directly to Tim Barron. Yeah, <laughs> that's Hillsong yeah. Hoods on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so to me, like, it's a song that they're just packing too hard with hooks, and so they over egg it. Yeah, and so I think there was a better song in this if they just like dialed it down a little bit and not tried quite as hard to try to be funny and hooky and stuff at once. Like, if, if they just let it sort of breathe a little bit more, it would have been a better song and it would have been more easy to listen to. But I, I don't hate this. It's just a novelty song that was a big hit um, because it, you know, took the piss out of the kind of person who was very big at that particular time. But I suspect we'll get to that after we listen and find out what Danny thinks of the song. Um, yeah, I didn't hate this song back in the day. I mean, it wasn't really in my wheelhouse, but I didn't, I couldn't find any feelings of hatred for it. Um, it was fun, and I guess, um, I kind of like self-esteem and come out and play, but that wasn't really my thing either, so I guess I kind of just don't have that much expectation for Offspring. Right. When I heard this song, it wasn't that different from, I mean, okay, well, so yeah, I, I guess I had no expectation, but, but I'm, I'm wrong in saying it wasn't that different. They obviously went for it. The film clip probably cost $2 million. Mm. Um, mm. it's way more commercial sounding. There is all those hooks in there, as everyone said, and that's fine. Like, I've liked other novelty singles, and this kind of will go down as a novelty single, and mm. I think I get less sick of them. I still listen to, to my Dr. Demento records and Incy Wincy Teeny Winnie Tiny Polka Dot Bikini songs and stuff like that, but, um, and hey, this is as good as one of those. It's, there's not much oh, I don't meat so. on it. I still think it's kind of funny. Like, really? watching it this week, it was just like, <laughs> you know, he tried to buy ice cube and he got vanilla ice. That was, you know, just like... But that, that's an all right line. It's, it's all yeah. right, but it's still so heavy-handed. Yeah. It's so heavy-handed. It's, that it's is kind, the problem. It's kind of... That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, you're trying to send these people up, actually put something in there that they would do. And the thing is, at this stage, that guy was not buying vanilla ice. Vanilla ice was already a joke, even amongst that demographic. Yeah. Sure. But, like, yeah. I, I guess, you know, listening to it today, that doesn't matter because... It's, you know, the, the, it's not 98 for me. And listening to it this week, yeah, I kind of see that, look, they sound like they're having fun. You know, they're taking the piss out of a really easy target. And that's fine. That, no one else is doing it. And they, and, you know, 
we've, a couple of you guys have said it doesn't work. I think it worked. It got to number one. For six weeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, made them a bazillion dollars. It sounds like they're having fun. Well, there's mitigating circumstances. <laughs> the, the judge at the Dharma trials. Oh, well, the, the boy sounded like he was having fun, so... I don't know, but it just sounds like it's a fun Case dismissed. It's not like a dirge. No, no. It's not like... And it's not trying to be too serious. Uh, and that's something I do like about it. I do think there is a better song in there. I mean, if Green Day did this without the give it to me babies and took out the Spanish stuff and just did it as a straight punk satire song, there might have been a better song in there. Like there may be a better version of this song somewhere. The hooks are pretty good. It's a big fun chorus. Yeah, I couldn't be bothered looking for that better version. I mean, <laughs> that's something that comes up a lot on this podcast where people are just like, there's a better song there, but who gives a shit? Like, I mean, like there's some that like, there are, there are, so many awesome songs out there that yeah, the, sure. the ones that didn't take the first time, fuck it. You know, there's a pretty fair point there. I, that said, it's like looking for the ultimate universe where Richard Marks Hazard is produced differently and better, I think hmm. is, is a worthwhile pursuit. Exploring the alternate this, universe though, where yeah. this is a better song. Yeah. Nah, no. you know, <laughs> fuck, your, fuck your wormholes. Yeah. <laughs> Hazard can't be produced better. I don't know. When we when we talk about the, the song, like there's a better version of it, I think what we're saying is that there is something there, but it's not mm. like the, the, there's a difference between a song like this where there's something there, and if, if they'd done it a slightly different kind of way, we probably would like this better if it you know just had a bit less overegging on it. And but then there's the other stuff that you know you can't really do another way and make it good. Like you, you can't really do I don't know what was one of the shitty songs from '98 that we covered. There's so many <laughs> oh, I can't think of them. Still, just- uh, but look, the other thing about this song that has always stuck with me is actually something I know I think all of us are fans of the band Fountains of Wayne. Yeah. There's an interview I read with them around the time, around this time, uh, and Radiation Vibe was out. And they were saying, you know, how great it was and, you know, they're, they're doing what they think. But they, but uh, Chris said, Chris uh, Collingwood. Collingwood said in the interview that the thing is they don't do, they don't really do radio songs. They were surprised that Radiation Vibe got on there because... Um, you know, they don't write songs for American radio in the way that The Offspring do, and Pretty Fly for a White Guy, they said in this interview, which has always stuck with me, is the perfect American radio single. And maybe the perfect American radio single for the late 90s. It is got a bit of everything that every radio station wants. Sure, but that doesn't that doesn't make it not a shit song. Like there's like sure, and and I and this is another it just thing. Just boxes, come, right? Sure, and this is another thing that's come up quite a bit recently with with a lot of songs that I I think that yeah, I agree with people who with guys who said it was uh, they were trying to write a hit song. Um, they were trying to throw a whole lot of stuff at it. There there is a lot of intent in this song and how it's put together, how it's been produced. And, and and it succeeded. It sold millions and it made the album sell millions and good on them for it. Still a shit song. Like, it does, <laughs> I don't have to like it no. for all of that. I don't have to say that it's a good song. It's, it's, it's I guess, technically well executed in terms of its aim um, because its aim was purely to write a hit song as far as I can see well, it. It's so successful. Um, yeah. But mm. um, this doesn't mean I'm going to sit around and say that I like it. Can I try to eke another positive out of you, Casey? Must you? Yes. Widow. How about the fact? That, how about the fact that by the time we got to about 2001, 2002, 
anyone who liked Eminem, you could just dismiss them by saying, <laughs> pretty oh, pretty for for my God. <laughs> it's a pretty good phrase, and it's now entered the lexicon. That's, it has. I like that about the song as well. Our second song of tonight was number one for five weeks from, from the 24th of January, 1999, and this is Believe by Shen. That was Believe by Cher, number one for five weeks in 1999. Casey, <laughs> do you believe in life after now? <laughs> do you believe that you're strong enough? Um, yes, but. Too <laughs> <laughs> worried. I didn't need this song. Um, yeah, this song bothered me a lot. One of my strange memories of this song is this. This was happening just up so we're in the 99 yeah mm-hmm. so it was after yeah. school um yes finished and i hung out in tamworth for about another nine months before i moved to sydney after school finished and i was playing i was like just washing dishes and playing in a covers duo and this i was playing this covers duo where we were just playing you know zz top and and sweet sweet home alabama and you know just those kind of pub covers songs yeah, yeah, and it was two dudes with electric guitars, and people would come up to us and ask us to play this song, <laughs> and I was like, "Really? <laughs> Do you get what's going on here? Do you understand?" Uh, and so that's one of my memories of this song. And I just, I, I, um, no, I couldn't stand it. It was, at, it was awful. Um, that thing, the auto tune thing, which um, was the biggest thing in music production in the world at that point because I believe it was the first was it the first time we ever yeah. heard something well, like that really first time was really yeah. popular in the charts yeah um, and it and it bugged the hell out of me I just hated it I didn't really know what it was about why it was there what it was achieving um, and yeah I, I had a lot of I had a, a lot of ill feeling towards this song at the time now I just can't really I can't muster any hate for it. I, I listen to it and I'll watch the clip and I go, okay, yeah, sure. You can, you can have a hit every so often. If this was going to be your hit in 1999, then that's fine. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't really think much of it. I'll never, 
listen to it um, voluntarily ever again after today. And that's it. Tim Byron. Yeah, like I, I listened to this this week and um, yeah, I couldn't really muster hatred for it per se. It, it is probably the least of the five songs, I suspect. But um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember what I thought of this at the time. And it was just one of those songs that kind of was there. Mm. Like I don't really remember hearing it for the first time or really remember seeing the video. It just kind of percolated into my consciousness at some stage. It was just, you know, the kind of song that's just on in the background when you're in a shop or something like mm. that. And and yeah, like, but there's also got the kind of, Cher was sort of in pop culture a bit at this time. Like there was the X-Files episode where there was the alien who was a bit obsessed with Cher. That was a, a couple of years before this. And there was an episode of Buffy that I recently rewatched where Buffy's just gone to uni and her um, her roommate is really into Cher and plays this song over and over again. <laughs> and turns out to be a demon, of course, because Buffy's roommate, of course, is going to turn out to be a demon who is trying to suck out Buffy's soul. And, um, and, and I think that's sort of how, you know, in, in a way that's how this song was sort of, treated at the time. It was a song for people who were actually really demons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, thinking about this song as an adult, like with a bit more perspective about like what they're trying to do. I think what this song is trying to sort of do is, I mean, the, the thing with this song was that um, Cher's partner, Sonny Bono, who'd, um, who who was her husband for a while and they were divorced, he'd passed away in January 1998 of a, um, a skiing incident. Ran and into a Free on a yeah. ski field, I believe. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's um, quite a freak anyway, accident. He was skiing, then he was yeah. dead. It was a freak accident, yeah. probably like the one that happened to Michael Schumacher yeah, recently. I was about to say, yeah. he Schumacher it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he Schumacher it. Schmackered. And, um, you know, in terms of that kind of thing, you can see why this song works. Like, it's it's sort of a song for middle-aged divorcees or people who've lost, lost someone or something who want to go out and have a good time. You know, it's a song for, like, you know, because it's not really... Like, it's a dance song, but it doesn't really have much of a thump to it. Like, lots of dance stuff has got that kind of thump going, mm, 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 mm. And this is, like, it's pretty kind of tinny, and it's pretty kind of, like, gentle for dance kind of stuff. And so I kind of feel, yeah, it's a song for, like, cougars. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I can't really begrudge them that. They, they need their songs like that. It's not for me, and it's, like, really, really, like, production-wise of its time, not just with the autotune, but also with the kind of... It's, like, it's so got, like, flanges and, and phases over every single instrument, and it sounds weird now, but, yeah, I can't, I can't hate it. I see why it's there. Yeah. Tim Kyle. Yeah, it's... Well, okay, for, for, first point. It's got the autotune thing, and, yes, that was kind of the first big instance of its use. So, yeah, thanks, you. You ruined all music for all time <laughs> by doing that. Um... It's funny Tim Byron mentions the Buffy episode with the uh, the roommate, uh, the college roommate who plays a lot of sure, uh, because I had started uni uh, by by this time <laughs> in, in 99. I, I did not have a roommate who, who played this song over and over again. Um, but I, I went to uni thinking, great, everyone who I, I'm living there with will be fans of The Smiths and The Cure and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Wrong! I was going to parties and when this played, my God, the girls were happy that this was playing. And yeah, this is kind of the, this was their get up and dance song. And it's just kind of like, ah, struck out again, Coil. <laughs> and yeah, so that was kind of my memory of it. Other than that, it's very fuzzy because you know, I'm awesome. I didn't have a TV where I was living. Uh, I was listening to Triple J, not commercial radio. So this was just not... I mean, you heard it kind of everywhere in shopping centres and yeah. stuff. But it wasn't on the media I was actually actively consuming. 
So yeah, just kind of kind of passed me by in in that way, even though I was pretty aware of it, which would sound quite contradictory, but I think I've explained myself there. Look, <laughs> listening to it this week, it you know, it's alright. It's a it's a disco song and look, sure it's no turn back time. Um, but she's just kind of got this nice mumsy presence to her that, you know, I, I, can, I can stomach her fine. This is just a nice disco song. I don't like it or love it in any way, but, you know, that's what it's meant to do. I hate it either. What Tim Byron says, it's a, it's a good song for that particular demographic. It's also she's audience within the gay community and in gay, in, in gay bars and gay yeah. nightclubs, this was huge, and I think still is in, in some yeah. that, yeah, so the, those are the audiences that it was resonating with, so, yeah. I think there were about 17 remixes of this song and stuff yeah. as well, right, so. Yeah. You know, it did, yeah. it did its job for, for those audiences, and it really doesn't bother me. I like it. Yeah? I liked it back in the day. So, I was working... I was, I'd been working in a record store for probably a year by this point. Uh, so this song was number one, and that share record was so big, and I would have sold a lot of copies of it. I would have sold a lot of copies of The Offspring as well. And I used to listen hear this song several times a day, and it just kind of grew on me. It wasn't for me. I like it in it. It's just going, yeah, it's a fine song. It's a it's a lovely little sentiment. It's like, it, it is a song for Cougars. I didn't really relate to it in any way, but I kind of just went, it's kind of nice. And it was kind of my first... That, I mean, this is the thing about 99. This was the time where dance music and electronic music was starting to really, really make sense for me. Uh, I mean, they sound completely different, but I guess compared to you, Casey, of all people, you know, the fact that for a while I was with you in that or anything with keyboards and synths with the enemy, 99 was the year where that stopped being the case because I fell in love with, like, that first Fatboy Slim record and Beth Orton's second record and Moby's Play and all these records that were coming up, and that, that, you know, kind of got me into this sort of stuff. But listening to it this week, it doesn't sound like any of that stuff. It really just sounds like a disco song. It's such a disco song. And I kind of like a bit of disco. And listening to it this week, I was like, hey, it sounds as good as, you know, some of the, like, the Bee Gees ballads, stuff like that, which is like, it makes no sense for the beats per minute in this song to be this fast. <laughs> like, it's actually like a somber ballad. But like, there's something about the, uh, I don't know, the, the clash between something really pulsing and a really, really sad lyric that is in some of the great disco songs yeah. like um, uh, I Love the Nightlife by Alicia Bridges. You know, I Will it, Survive. I yeah, will I Will Survive. survive. You yeah. know, those sort of things. You know, it's just, so it kind of has that element to it that I just sort of go... Oh, that works. And so, you know, and Cher, I don't hate her. and She's fine, so. Does, does anybody else find her voice incongruous to the track? Oh, yeah. But that's the thing, right? Mm. It's like, I, I, I find that it's, that, that it's a song that had to happen and it was a song that was always going to be there. I find her voice odd on, on this particular but song. But that's not uncommon in a lot of the, that style of disco song that Danny is talking about. That oh, you have a very powerful thing. Oh, but it's not, it's not the powerful... Them. Like, when you when you talk about I Love the Nightlife, nobody else in the world could sing that song. True. Um, and I Will Survive and, and stuff like that. That's just so... Like, their voice is amazing for it. I find Shur's voice 
odd for this particular song. I, I think that's the risk and that's the shtick. Like, it's the thing of, let's take a voice that we that you know, mm. that you love from Turn mm. Back Time and the Shoop Shoop song, and, right. and let's make it disco and see how, you know, that's the risk that they were taking making this record and see if anyone cares. I mean, you see, like, you, you, that was, people do that all the time. I mean, there's freaking dance records by Jewel. And friggin' right. Jimmy Barnes did the friggin' disco version of April's Sun in Cuba recently. You know, that's like... What then? Yeah. You know, okay, I'll put that on the, t- on the blog. Uh, <laughs> but like... Nah. Take a song that you know. <laughs> I don't think I need that. Put a life. voice in there that you know and treat yeah. it almost like a sample. And, you know, yeah. That's I mean, of, yeah, that, that's a fair enough point. But you could almost sort of suspect that maybe Cher recorded this song in 1975 and they took the vocal part from it and sort of put effects on it. That's almost what it, it a song. That's almost what it sounds like to yeah. me. I, I, I guess it's something with, because her voice is very familiar from even back to, um, I got you, you babe. know, I got you babe. And what, what's that other one? The um, gypsies, tramps, and that trip, that's exactly what I was trying to think of. Thank you. So there's that. <laughs> and I got you babe through the ship ship song. And of course, if I could turn back time, which was huge when I was eight. So I knew it. Um, and and then it's a, and that film clip, which was bizarre. Um, but, um, I think. So many dishonorable discharges. (laughs) (laughs) Our third song of tonight, uh, was number one for nine weeks. Jesus. And still the highest selling single of the year, but, um. Still not. Yes. Uh, Number one for nine weeks from the 28th of February, 1999. And this is Britney Spears with dot 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 baby one more time. Ellipses, uh, baby, one more time, <laughs> as corrected by Casey during that song, uh, by Britney Spears, number one in 1999. Tim Byron, where do you? Let's start with you. Yeah, for, for some reason with this song, like it's a, it's a song that I, I remember seeing the video quite a bit. Like I, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> well, maybe because you had it taped and yeah, you watched it. Watch like, I don't remember doing that, but it's not impossible. But I, I remember seeing the video a lot. I remember like sitting through the, the song for the video uh-huh. because I found the video quite fascinating. Is that um, right? <laughs> and I remember thinking at the crazy. time that, yeah, that, crazy. Yeah. I remember thinking at the time that, yeah, this is a shit song. Why am I watching this? Oh, that's right. That's why I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah. 
And so it's it's weird looking at the video now because it's, it's so incredibly tame. Like uh, you look at it now and it's just like yeah whatever. But like at the time, like it was um, it was a big thing. And so I remember thinking, yeah, this song's a bit shit at the time. But I think I actually secretly, without even admitting it to myself, liked that song at the time mm-hmm. like, because I didn't hate it and I kept I kept paying attention to it. And so I think like the the looking at Britney in the video kind of clip kind of stuff was like a, an excuse for me actually really liking the song, but I wasn't willing to even kind of admit to myself. Because over the years, it's like, you know, as like, because like Founders of Wayne covered this and I think Travis covered this as well. Yep. And like, you, you get that kind of like, you know, indie guys covering this, like with their indie voices and like guitars and stuff like that. Mm. And, um, and, you know, so I, I heard those kind of versions. I was like, oh yeah, this is a good song. Like, you know, and when Adam Session just says it's a good, says it's a good song, I figure, yeah, he's probably right. He knows what he's talking about. And, um, and it, so I kind of became used to it and thought, oh yeah, that's a good song. It's just a shit version of it because Britney Spears is a bit shit. But like speaking in 2014, it's a great version of the song. Britney like is, does a killer performance. Like it, the the arrangement of it is great. I love the kind of like the sort of funkiness of it and the kind of staccato ness of the of the drums and stuff like that. And so yeah, like I, I've I've come full circle on this song. I think it's great. Thank God. Yeah, no arguments from me. It's, <laughs> I think it's I think it's terrific, and I think liked Tim Byron. I probably thought that at the time, but as I've alluded to. First year of uni, I was not that guy who was into pop music at all. So, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was, you know, it kind of fluttering on the edges of the edges of my consciousness kind of thing and um, probably enjoying it when it came came on and um, otherwise not listening to it. But, but listening to it this week, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. It's just so well written that movements in the chorus mm-hmm. and um just some very smart things are done throughout it and mm. so many great hooks and they all work together so well it's we talked about in pretty fly for a white guy that yeah it's got lots of hooks but they don't actually mesh together very well yeah. this song has a hook every other second and it meshes together really really well and yeah i i think it's um it's a pretty phenomenal uh radio single and number one and the other one other thing i will say is that we're we're kind of at the start of 1999 this sounds like a 2000s song to me this is yeah definitely marking that transition yeah and that's just the way i see it yeah it's terrific casey atkins i had the album Bought it. You had the album, <laughs> really? Yeah, right. I so um, you have the fragrance. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is great. This is just absolutely great. I bought this, and I'll. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I went out and bought the CD the week it came out or anything, but this is one of the well, songs the that I bought on. Out. Yeah, <laughs> I, bu- I bought this album on on cassette from a service station <laughs> to, to have in my car. <laughs> um, <laughs> Casey was driving a pickup with a Confederate flag you know, in it at the time. And, like, and to be honest, and to be honest, I had completely forgotten all about that until about three minutes ago that I had this. Um, look, this is great. It's it's absolutely great. I'll I think my sentiments towards it are pretty much exactly the same as as both the teams. Um, I it was one of those things that was like, well, I'm not supposed to like this, so I probably don't. But like in in my head, like, but I really fucking do. And then um, when 
you hear Fountains of Wayne do it however many years later and, and, and it just really vindicates that you're like, yeah, well, I like this all along. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like my band, so I play in a cover band and um, we play the Fountains of Wayne version of this occasionally. Oh, right. We don't do it every night, but occasionally yeah. we'll start a set with it just to see if anyone's paying attention. And it's really funny and it's really enjoyable to play. Um, I think it's great. It's such a perfect, perfect example of what a hit pop song could be, mm. you know? And there are so many shit hit songs, and then you see things like this. And there are a number of great examples of great songs that are that are um, big pop singles, but this is one of those ones that you... that's. It's kind of a, a template, really. It's it's just one of the, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best there is of recent times in terms of a, a dance pop single. Yeah. Um, I recent times, he says about a song that's 15 years old. <laughs> What's that? Recent times, he says about a song that's 15 years old. Yeah, but, I mean, Tim Coyle's right that it kind of did mark a bit of a new era. Yeah. Like, this is, um, I was thinking about this today, like, this is... Um, almost as important as, like, you can't touch this. Like, there's a real... It's a, it's a, I think that's how she sleeps at night. <laughs> My contribution to music was important as McCammers. I mean... But, but no, but, like, in terms of the... Um, standing with faint praise. <laughs> and, and yeah. That. But, but it's as important as the first Lady Gaga single, or probably the first Beatles single. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, because of what it, it spawned, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it ends. Not only that, it was a great song that did it. So I think it's it's fantastic, Danny. I like the song. I don't think I, I love it as much as you guys. I don't think it's the greatest pop single ever. Um, I don't think it's the greatest you prefer toxic pop single of this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's probably not not her greatest pop single either. I don't really you like don't toxic. Think? I don't really like toxic. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, it's okay. Like I said, I like it. It's like a 7 out of 10 for me. It's it's really a, a lot of fun. Musically, it's really, really great. I find very, I guess, like, I mean, I agree with a lot of what everyone said. I think for me, the only thing is I just kind of don't really have a strong emotional connection to it. Like, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't hit me. In a, it's like, oh, yes, I felt that way. or It just doesn't connect with me in that sense. So sure. Your loneliness so just, has never killed you, Danny? No. And no one, I've never asked my, like, you know, if you want to hit me. So, um, <laughs> so. Well, yeah. literally. On the arse <laughs> sometimes. On the arse sometimes. But no, it's like, no, I don't know. But like. Uh, <laughs> That's staying in, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Um, and. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, the clown show. As the actress uh, said to the bishop. Uh, yeah, so, no, but, like, I, I agree it's great, and it did definitely change the course of music from here on in. Yep. I mean, after this, you've got... Christina. You know, Christina Aguilera, Leanne Rhymes doing friggin' Can't Fight the Moonlight. She's Every, all about values. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but you, you get Mandy Moore, and you get Pink, and you get Anastasia, and you get this, and you get that, and, like, it goes on for pages oh, yeah. and pages worth of these girls. And, and it was a massive success... <sighs> Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I don't know how I feel about Britney Spears being a role model for young women these days. Like, I have a little niece, and, like, there's, there's just something a little bit creepy about the song, it, that listening to it this week, that I just sort of went, 
And but it's all over in music. I mean, you look at Miley Cyrus, who's the biggest artist well, in the world. This and is the, like, fine. This is just what music is now. This is the interesting thing, though, because the point that Tim Byron made that I'll kind of bring bring back up at this stage. Comparatively, um, in nineteen ninety nine, Britney Spears, if if this was as kind of uh, racy as a pop star was getting, um, yeah, it's not very racy. It's now, not very racy at all. So, it, comparatively, um, like Tim Byron said, the, the clip's pretty tame, and it really is. When you compare that to Wrecking Ball, where she is literally naked, um, That's the it's thing. just in this clip, she's you know, wearing sweatpants. For yeah, the look of it. absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, the you see is some tummy. The mid you know? is showing, yes, yeah. but yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's sweatpants. Um, mm. It was the nineties. It was all together. I mean, the, the th- I think the thing was the schoolgirl uniform. Yeah, and that yeah, there was yeah. strong Lolita-ish vibe around that. Yeah. And I, I remember at the time, kind of thinking, "We're only just out of school, though." Well, but this is the thing: just going, I shouldn't find this attractive. She's the same age as me. Let's bear in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't, she, but I do, but I'm not going to. <laughs> kind of yeah. thing going on. Yeah, she, she was born in '81 in yeah, December '81, so, so, so yeah, she's like yeah. three oh, years, right. old, three three months older than me. So like, and I think it is she is the first person in the charts that we've dealt with, apart from Silverchair, who actually mm. is our, about our age. No, yeah, it's an no, no. There's, there's actually there's actually one that's younger than me, and I, I didn't think Britney was, but I guess it's two now, which is Hanson and Britney. Oh, Hanson. Oh, Hanson, of course. But I remember looking at them and thinking they're young. They're younger than me, but they're probably not. But like, yeah, handsome. I forgot about handsome. Well, not the handsome. not the drummer. He's he's still only fourteen, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Britney, yeah. in general, let's talk about Britney. Yeah, she's a she's, she's she's a beautiful train wreck. <laughs> yeah, the the thing with this song is um, that the is just amazing. Is that everywhere that it charted, it was number one. Like, it was a number one mm. single in Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, the Czech Republic, Denmark, in Europe in general, yeah. Finland, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, the UK, and the US. She was wearing a uniform. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah, but, lots yeah, of, and, but, but then you get somebody who wears nothing in a clip and, and, and still doesn't get that. I mean, that yeah, yeah. is nuts. Yeah, but that was... Like, that kind of 90s. thing is, like, it was just obviously such a universal kind of thing. And, like, I remember at the time thinking with, with Hit Me Baby One More Time, the Hit Me kind of bit, like, I remember thinking, is she talking about, like, domestic violence and stuff? But I don't think she actually was. I think it's more like no. a hit as in the kind of, like, the, um, hit, the hit sense of like- a... A drug or something like that. It's no, like, give me a new thing. No, even yeah, even yeah. then, it's just a hit me up, hit me up with a phone call kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's often the... I just think yeah, of it kind of music, like, like maybe musically, you know, you say, you know, you know, hit me, I don't know, I, I, I'm going to sound really white even just trying to bring this into... <laughs> but no, I, I, I didn't really see it in um, it, there being anything debauched about it necessarily. No, it's you so know. innocent, really. It's, it's really innocent. Yeah. But yeah, but I think the kind of sorry. like the the combination of that innocence with the kind of well, is it innocence kind of thing? That's where the power of it is comes from. It's like the like she, she's portraying herself as innocent, but it's not an innocent song. Like it's a song that, that's about some pretty dark emotions. Like it's a song about you know with the lines like "My loneliness is killing me," which is something that perhaps could have been in the Cure songs that Tim Coyle yeah, really it, wanted well, to hear from his. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's, oh that's it's, a, that's a strange. No, 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 it's, no, it's, no, it's not. It's actually it's the same sentiment. It's expressed quite differently. And the thing is, the Cure songs that Tim Byron's speaking about actually go to a much darker place mm. with it. They're actually 
going much further with it. If anything, if people want to crack down on that kind of thing in music, that's where you would you know start what? with it. So he, here's the other thing about this song for me. It's like, I was 19 at this time. I'll start to date. I'll start to meet girls and, you know, be a music fan. And, like, I was already into Sleater Kinney and bands like that. The girls I liked just didn't like this song because the girls that I liked were smarter than this. You know, and that makes a big influence to me. And just this is a... This was not... And Britney herself was not the kind of, like, female artist that I'd liked at the time. Like, I was kind of... You know, when when there's so much great music by women in the late 90s and around this time and PJ Harvey and all that sort of stuff, you just sort of go... Yeah, but... Oh, but like, it, it comes from me being 19 and learning about women. And this was... Very clearly for me, not the kind of women I wanted to learn about. Sure. So is but that a case of defining yourself against something rather than by no, something? No, I think it's because... I think it was by something and then it put me against something. But go on. I think where, where I put this is that there are always there are always going to be kind of uh, teeny girls singing songs sure. at the top of the charts. And yeah. if occasionally it can be a really fucking good song for what it is, then... Mm then great and this was one of those examples and probably one of the better examples in the last 20 years that there that there has yeah. been of, of that our fourth song of tonight was number one for seven weeks uh from the second of may it's a lot of long runs tonight. yeah a lot of, well, yeah. lot of long runs this year again yeah. like these eight seven week singles are the highest selling single of the year uh this is no scrubs by tlc No Scrubs by TLC, number one for seven weeks in 1999. I think we're back around to Tim Coyle. Do you want any Scrubs? Or is a Scrubber guy that's, you know... Can't get no luck. <laughs> so TLC have kind of been on the fringes of this podcast yes. for quite yeah. some time and they've almost made it into some Choose Your Own Adventures, yes. but not quite. And we did write a blog post on... Waterfalls? Waterfalls, I think. Or, or Creek almost wrote a post on waterfalls um but yeah they're, they're one of those very very big acts of the 90s that we haven't gotten to up to this point what like and, nirvana yeah. <laughs> well i'm sure we'll have time to talk about that but yeah we're, we're finally getting to tlc here where at first it wasn't a hit in Australia, but I was actually in the US in 1992 when A2 Proud to Beg was a pretty big single album. over there, yeah. and I love that song, and mm. still do. It's a, it's a fantastic single. And they've been pretty damn consistent, or they were very consistent throughout that 90s period, and No Scrubs is a very good R&B song. So uh, I remember 
I did like it at the time, even though, yes, it's it's being played on commercial radio and therefore out of my wheelhouse, as we've been saying. So I didn't hear it as much as what I had some other number one singles before this. But as far as this commercial R&B goes, it was really good, and I still think it's, it's really good. Um, some of what we've been, I think, in contrast to some of what we've been talking about in recent weeks, where a lot of the R&B sounds really lazy and just kind yes. of um, clumsily put together and performed, this is very, very tight. Yep. And, yeah, that's the the main reason that this really gets its hooks into you. And, yeah, I just think, think it works so well. It's got a really good attitude about it. Um, yeah, whoever these scrubs are, I'm not going to mess with these women, which is... Yeah, which is kind of great, and I found quite powerful at the time, and still do. And yeah, I think it's a really good tight R and B song. Casey Atkins. So this is really interesting. Um, I have no memory of this song. What? <laughs> How can you have no memory of this song? I just I just I got nothing. It's really, really strange. Is it a, um, is it a, a Tobias Funk Age type of denial? <laughs> <where> you're <scrubs>? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to answer me, then my God. <laughs> um, I just, it, it's, it, I drew a blank. And you guys have talked about this song before um, in terms of, yes, we're going to get to that. We've talked about TLC. I, like, I, I know and, and like a lot of the other TLC singles. Um, and even this morning... When I was telling Joe what the songs were for tonight, and I said no scrubs, and she was like, "Oh, love it," and started singing it, and I was just, I got, I got nothing, I got nothing. Right. Now, listening to it completely yeah, objectively, exactly. which is a and really interesting thing, <laughs> the first time, and kind of it can't possibly have been the first time, but yeah. for the first time, that's actually sunk in. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's really good. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I think my favourite part about it was um, the glossary of terms at the start. It's not a term that existed before this song. Oh, right. Well, it well, must have been some well, sort of universe, yeah, but just but not it, ours. It yeah. up as some kind of dramatist persona. Of the, yeah. of the song it's basically the first song that we've covered that could be an urban dictionary entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Etymologically significant. <laughs> so, but I just love the fact that a lot of, a lot of songs, um, especially of the, the kind of urban nature, would use a term... That you just go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But this one defines Jeez. it up front. So, by the way, what we're going to be singing about is a scrub. What that is, is... <laughs> and also known as a buster. Yes, also yeah. known as a buster. Um, which is great. But I, um, it, it's, it's really powerful. It's really empowering, um, which I think is really cool. It's got a great, great groove, um, a great beat. I think it's, it's really good and really worthy. But I still, I cannot... Remember it from the time. Yeah, right. Mm. Tim Byron. Yeah, this is the third song we've covered in this podcast in a row that sounds like the future. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Have you seen the you video know, clip? It was yeah, the future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's how I that, live now in my flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that Hype Williams kind of thing, like all these videos kind of look like that, like the one for Mo Money, Mo Problems looked like that. But and anyway, um, the... 
you know, we, we have shares that, like, believe that has the auto-tune. We've got Britney started, like, you know, the 2000s sounds like Britney. And the stuff in the 2000s that doesn't sound like Britney in pop music kind of sounds like no scrubs. Um, that kind of whole uh, thing, like, with Timberland and the Neptunes and, and yeah, Destiny's that. Child and stuff like that, that all kind of sounds like this. It's got that same kind of, like, big beats. Like, like, we listened to this one in the car, like, this morning, and, like, the beats in this, like, they're big coming through car speakers in, in a way that, like you know, Believe certainly wasn't. And this, um, you know, it's got that kind of, like, very kind of cut-up kind of feel to it, like, yep. very stop-start, very staccato, um, in, in the same way that, like, you know, the, the guy who produced this uh, song also produced Bills, 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 which is the breakthrough single for Destiny's Child, mm, which yeah. a lot of their stuff sort of took the sound from. And, um, yeah, so this is what the 2000s sound like, and so this is, like, the third song in a, third song in a row that sounds like the future. And in a funny kind of way... Like Casey, I don't remember this from the time. Like I, I actually did kind of draw a blank on this one at the time. But what I do remember this from was that I had a, um, like a thing that I downloaded of the inter- from the internet that was like a, a best mashups kind of compilation from like two thousand and three, and someone had mashed this song up with some uh, punk kind of thing, and that that's and that's how I knew this song from that mashup because I don't think I knew that song that well when I heard the mashup, but I know it from the mashup. And so when I actually did start hearing this song a little bit later on in life, because I, I have heard it and I do know the song, um, it was weird for me to hear it like with like, you know, that kind of Destiny's Childy kind of backing rather than that. So I have this weird route into this song where I've gone in through here and there and eventually got to the song. So yeah, so I don't really remember it from the time, but yeah, like, like everyone else has said so far, it is pretty great. It's, um, it's definitely R&B looking at the future and, um, you know, you know, women deserve better than a scrub. Let's face it. I, I have, I have no issue with that. Like, I'm sure I probably felt like I probably would have been a scrub because I, in 1999, I was living with my mama. <laughs> were you yelling in high school? Were you yelling yeah, at girls from the, from <laughs> your best, side. from the passenger well, side of your best friend's ride? Girls, if I was going to yell at girls, like I wouldn't have been able to do it from my own car. So, you know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe you were going to holler. I, I don't recall yelling at girls hollering, but you never know. So yeah, I kind of like, I, it's funny, like thinking about this in 99, I probably would have thought, yeah, I'm a scrub. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if I'm still a scrub, maybe, but, um, oh, well. well, you can drive your own car now. So that's, that's, that's an improvement. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> drive my own car. Um, I don't live at my mum's place anymore. I love this song. I love this song so much. This is so my wheelhouse at this time. Yeah. I bought the album fan mail. Uh, and I'm yeah, have to it's stop just you a there. great song, isn't it? It's just. Because we keep saying the word wheelhouse at the moment. What is a wheelhouse? Well, the house with a wheel in it. When, um, <laughs> when you traveled in medieval times, oh, you stay in a wheelhouse. It's a house with wheels. Anyway. So like a caravan? Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in a wheelhouse, if your best friend was driving it, you'd yell to women. Yo, witch! All I've gathered though is that a wheelhouse is where somebody keeps their CD collection. Because that's all we say. Oh, this, this music wasn't really in my wheelhouse. Because <laughs> that's the only context we tend to use the term. Like, yo, witch, that was comely. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I loved it. It's a, it's a great song. I remember it very clearly. I was working the record store at the time. This is number one. I listened to it every day. So uh, it is quite funny because a lot of people who bought this were scrubs. So um, <laughs> we just sort of crossed over to that R&B world. TLC got so big. TLC, I think, uh, along with Salt and Pepper, do not get the credit for inventing the thing that you know we've talked about that yep. in the 2000s that Beyonce 
mm. really got to capitalise on. They invented this shit. And, and did bloody well. Yeah, and did bloody well. I mean, she, she's great at it. But it's not like, the fact that they're just written out of history. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. The, the, I, I don't, don't know if you guys looked up this week, but the tragedy that happened just yeah. after this, well, few years after this record, yes. which is one of them died. Yeah. Uh, which part was it? Oh, Lisa Lopez. Lisa Lopez, yeah. Lisa Lopez. yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and what Tim Coyle said, which is like, it's not just this song. Waterfalls is one of the great yeah. pop singles of the 90s. Yeah. We didn't get to talk about it because we didn't choose it. It was just sort of better songs, but it's just a great song. They were smart women. They always sung about cool things. Uh, they were themselves. They weren't any... Like, they wrote their own songs. They Did, did they, actually? Their, yeah. And they, okay. did, they did everything, and they had their own vibe, and they wanted to be different from everyone else, and people got into that. Um, when Linton calls it how consistent they were, I did sort of chuckle. It's like, yeah, they were consistent because they put, like, three albums out in the entire 90s. Like, it's... <laughs> it's like, they put... They had solid sort of five-year gaps between albums sort of things, and um, it was... Like, that was their MO. Like, they actually worked hard uh, and they were a proper band in a lot of ways, like a proper group. And mm. I love them. I love them for it. Uh, and listening to it this week, yeah, it was all still there. So, if you don't remember No Scrubs, though, I'm, I'm, I'm like, assuming you didn't hear Sporty Thieves' No Pigeons, the answer song to this song. Huh? There's a, there was a band called no. Sporty Thieves who put out a single that actually, I think it charted. That was the male response to this song, paying out chicks. Oh who, God, I don't want to hear uh, it. Yeah, it is terrible. Fuck it is you. A crime of music. Fuck <laughs> it that. This song. does not deserve a response. This deserves uh, a righto. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, shape up. But like, yeah, sporty thieves, no pigeons. Uh, we'll put that on the blog. It is a terrible, oh my God. terrible mark. And thus the MRA movement was born. Mm. <laughs> and fuck, yeah. those, fuck those guys. <laughs> Our last song of tonight was number one for just three weeks. One of the shorter runs of 1999. Um, from the 20th of June, 1999. And this is Sixpence None the Richer with Kiss Me. expecting to not like this when I listened to it this week. Um, I have memories of it from things like, you know, Dawson's Creek and those kind <laughs> of things. And, and fuck it, I like Dawson's Creek, fuck. And so did Tim Coyle, even if he doesn't admit it on this podcast. <laughs> I know he did. We watch it together. Fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
But I, it was always just kind of one of those songs that didn't appeal to me that much. I didn't hate it back in the day so much, but it just sort of, it was there. Um, and this week I expected, I put it on fully expecting just to go, Nish. it's actually really good. I was really surprised at, at, at how much I, I liked it. It went to places that I didn't remember musically. Like it went to really, really interesting places. The harmony that she sings, um, to herself is great, but I mean, that's one of the obvious ones. Um, but, but musically I find it actually really, um, quite, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's something about it that's quite engaging, which I really enjoyed listening to. Um, it's A&R to death, which is annoying. Um, it's, it's been, um, it's very polished. It's very polished. It's had the fuck produced out of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, there's no fuck in this song. <laughs> <laughs> Decidedly, no fuck in this song. Just kiss me. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. it's got that thing with the um, like, if we want to get a little bit heavy into production things, like the drums are all, um, or at least the snare drum is sound replaced, which is really annoying. Which for those playing at home, it just means that the, the drums are played by a drummer in the studio, but then every uh, snare drum hit on the track is then replaced by a sample of a snare drum, which means that uh, every snare drum just sounds precisely the same, and it's just and that really great on me when you can hear it. It can be done well, um, but this is it's a bit of a I guess it's an early job of it, and it just it's one of those things that grates on me. Um, but in terms of the the song itself. Um, and the band performing it, I think it's really good. I just find it a little overproduced, but I think it's actually pretty good. Tim Byron. I've just been looking on, um, on Wikipedia at the idea of the wheelhouse and what it's meant to mean. <laughs> and, um, apparently the, the idea of the wheelhouse first came from the covering or housing of a, a paddle wheel in a paddle steamer. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's the house where the wheel is. Oh, okay. Come. Yes, yes, yes. So, so it's a location of the ship's wheel of a boat or a ship. And from there, it became um, baseball jargon. It's, it's, it refers to the sweet spot, like the right place where the, bats, where the, the batsman, yeah. the hitter, yeah. the, um, the hitter wants the ball to be yeah. where they can use you their most right power wheelhouse. and strength. Yeah, yeah. And from there, it's become the word that you guys are using. So anyway, yeah, no, we were same talking same. about a song too, weren't we? Um, Not song two. We talked about that weeks ago. So. <laughs> anyway, with this song, the thing I remember... I was, I remember, I remember it from the time, and it was apparently originally from the movie She's All That. Yeah. I never watched Dawson's Creek. Like, I watched, the, like, half of the first episode, and I remember, like, looking at it going, this is just a stupid soap opera, and then turning it off. <laughs> and so, I never watched it after that, so I don't know anything about it. So, I missed all the James Van Der Beek kind of stuff. you gotta, you got to give it three episodes, then you're in. Yeah. I mean, what? You would love what? the wing of the creek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how do you even understand the whole concept of gifts, then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't, I, I guess, <laughs> if you're exactly. talking about it in some other way. But yeah, um, th- for me, like, this song reminds me most of... I had, I had it in 1999, because we're in 99 now, like, I was in the first band that I was in that was playing, like, original songs and stuff. And the the bass player in this band um, was a guy called Jeremy, who was really into Sixpence None the Richer. And I think the reason he was into Sixpence None the Richer was that... Um, He'd come from a, like a Christian kind of background, 
and oh, they I were a, a, you know the Christian kind of band. And so he was really into Sixpence None the Richer and knew of them before this. And so I, I think I knew from him that this was a reasonably old song. Uh, looking on Wikipedia, like the album this is from came out in 1997. Yep. It kind of sounds like 97 rather than 99. Like it, it reminds me of like Summertime by the Sundays. It's got that same kind of like sort of pretty kind of jangly kind of stuff. And so, yeah, listening to this this week, like Lee Nash sings this really beautifully. She's got a beautiful voice. Um, the, the, the sound of the guitars is really pretty. Um, it, it is a bit A&R, but it's, it's not that bad. It's no worse than anything else from this time period in that kind of way. And, um, you know, uh, you, you couldn't tell from Kiss Me that it was a, a Christian rock band. It's just a song about kissing. I guess that's the only thing. If it was called Fuck Me, I guess it wouldn't be by a Chris, Christian rock band, but it's called Kiss Me, so it kind of makes sense. It's a nice chase kind of thing to do, I guess, with someone that you eventually want to marry, etc. It makes sense. It's, I don't think they're the kind of Christian rock band that are offensive about it. It's just kind of there in the background. They're named after <laughs> C.S. Lewis, quote, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it's all right, but it's um, it's still kind of reasonably average for me. Like it's it's nice, but it doesn't do that much for me. But it, but it's nice. Yeah, I think in in 1999, this was the kind of thing I was trying to distance myself from, but I did kind of like it anyway. Mm. But it was just just a case of I, I was starting to go to live gigs and things like that, and that kind of thing just loomed much larger in mm. my consciousness than something like this. So, yeah, it, it was nice enough, but just in the background kind of thing. And I think it's also, Casey pointed out, this is one of those songs we probably should hate with a fiery passion, and I'm sure somewhere Ross Cleland has necked himself that this song has <laughs> even come on. Uh, because, you know, that's the kind of, you know, people do hate this song. Ross is a friend of the podcast. Yeah, the way, yeah. people do. People do hate this song with a fiery passion. Because Hello again, it, Ross. It just embodies something I don't quite understand, but it does, and sure. they hate it. And fine, there's probably something very hateable about this song, but listening to it this week, I can't see what it is because I really <laughs> like it. Yeah. And the thing is, as I said, this was a thing I was trying to distance myself from, but this is the kind of thing I like. It has that very strummy. Uh, okay, part of it is ah oh, that that's that's the Dawson's Creek guitar, and it's like yeah, that really is the Dawson's Creek guitar because it was on Dawson's Creek. Yeah, but define um, what the Dawson's Creek guitar exactly. Was. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's got that to it, and you know, that's kind of maybe not necessarily in its favour, but look, that j- the Sundays, as Tim Byron mentions, are a really good reference point for this, like. The Smiths, Johnny Mars playing is all yeah. over this. And look, I love that kind of thing. It's a beautiful vocal performance. Um, those 12 string touches all over it are really great. And we've got a, a are we finally at a 12 string getting to number one in Australia? Because, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I really like this song. It's really pretty and well put together. And yeah, it's overproduced a bit. And these guys were picked up as being pitched to that as a kind of Smith's R.E.M.E. band for Christian rockers. Fine. It's a really good song. It's not obnoxious in any Christian rock way. Um, so yeah, I, I had a good time with this, this week. Um, I love this song. This is, this is a perfect, 
perfect radio song for me. Like, we talked about how, you know, the guys at Patterson Wayne said that about Pretty Fly for a White Guy. We've talked about, you know, how hip and happening, no scrubs and Baby One More Time is. And for me, this has been a fantastic week of, like, every single one of the songs, and this is the best of the lot. This is just what I love about music. It's that jangly guitar, that lovely, wispy romanticism of it. I don't care if they're a Christian band. This is and the Sundays, which are one of my favorite bands. Is this this does sound like the Sundays? I think I think like mm. you've all mentioned. I think the song by the Sundays is a lot better than. <laughs> I don't know. This sounds like a Sundays track. I mean, the the big songs, but like the masterpieces by the by the Sundays are better than this because they're masterpieces. But in terms of just being another track, well, this could have been it. And they just have that lovely jangly sound. She's got a really great voice. Mm. Uh, the sentiment, like, it's just lovely romantic pop stuff. And there's like, I don't know, I love the um, thing about, we'll take the trail marked on your father's map, which is just like lovely romanticness. And the guitar playing, you know what, I don't think this sort of, like what you said, Johnny Martin coil, like I don't think this jangly guitar playing is necessarily that easy. It's so, you know, the, the, the tendency is to get away from that pretty and be forceful and, and be hooky, but they, they maintain this and they maintain this on all this sort of stuff. I just, I just love it. And I loved it at the time and I was kind of hoping that this band would be good and I was kind of disappointed by, by the rest of their output. Um, oh boy, it doesn't get bad. <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, I quite like, um, like their version of There She Goes was fine. Like it was an, an interesting, different take of it. Was that for a movie or something? I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it was. Is that uh, a single for single sake? And, y- and yet it still got well, worse it, it because was... um, they also covered "Don't Dream It's Over," which I just read on Wikipedia. Uh, I hadn't heard uh, that. Yeah, that was on the second record. Yeah. Um, so, like, they didn't. They obviously weren't great songwriters. They kept doing covers and stuff like that. So, look, this is. Uh, which, which is interesting because what is going on musically here is actually kind of more complex than it sounds. So it's it's interesting that um, yeah, there's some nice chords in this. Yeah, absolutely. But so you the, don't have to be a great songwriter to do that. They're great musicians. They they they're yeah. probably a great covers band. But, yeah, but sure. I think the other thing there is mentioning that this came off an album in 1997. I think they kind of knew this was like sometimes you get a band that just have one great song in them. And this is it. Sure. It's yeah. It's just kind of... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, and they were able to... They got a number one out of it. It took them two years to get there, and a film to get there. Yeah. And mm. look great, because this song deserved an audience, and sure. they got it. it wouldn't have, they wouldn't have gotten the kick that it needed to get into the charts if it wasn't for the film and Dawson's Creek and stuff like that. And I think it was Dawson's Creek in Australia. But it's just... Like, I love this stuff. It's it's Cranberries, it's Sundays, yeah. it's all that sort of stuff. And it's just like a sweetly romantic female jangle pop what more what more do i need <laughs> a song um i did want to just briefly touch on yeah there she goes uh it's strange i i just want to talk about this song just briefly because i it's you know widely regarded as one of the greatest pop singles of all time and i used to hate the version of their version of there she goes but listening to it this week I didn't listen to it again, actually. I'd, I'd forgotten about it yeah. until just looking him up now i didn't listen to it again oh it's it doesn't have the hook, it just starts with G, G, D, and C on the acoustic well, it doesn't guitar. have a little riff. Yeah. yeah. And it was like... That's a bit silly. Yeah, and initially when I first heard it, it's like, oh, why didn't you have the million dollar everyone riff, was in their yeah. first year of playing guitar? Because <laughs> I don't yeah. think... 
But I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Danny. My memory of it is much worse than that it actually is. But the cover of Don't Dream It's Over is the career killer. Hey, it probably made Milkman a bit of money, so. He doesn't need <laughs> yeah. it. He's fine. Yeah, because exactly. he needed <laughs> he needed another million bucks, didn't he? That brings us to the end of another episode. As usual, before we go, let's go around the table and see what everyone's favourite song is from the ones that we discussed tonight. Going through the list again, we spoke about The Offspring with Pretty Fire for a White Guy, Cher with Believe, Britney Spears with Baby One More Time, TLC with No Scrubs, and Six Pets on the Richer with Kiss Me. Tim Byron, what's your choice? I think I'm going to have to say Ellipsis, Baby One More Time <laughs> by Britney. Uh, I'm going to go next, and I just it's Kiss Me. It's a, it's a perfect pop song. I'm really, really tough this week because there's three songs here that I genuinely really, really like and probably going to say Baby One More Time Edge, is it? Baby One More Time. Yeah, fantastic. There we go. Baby One More Time. Well done, Britney Spears. Hope that takes you out of fast. She's finally had a win. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that turns your life around. I have to also say that I loved all five songs this week. I mean... Uh, was, uh, like considering a few weeks that we've come from in terms of the the standard episodes, because we've also had quite a few uh, choose your own adventures, and we had the 2013 yeah, episode yeah. in there. So there's been quite a lot of breaks between the, the standard episodes. But when you look back through the last few standard episodes, it's been pitiful. Bit so of a rogues gallery, yeah. Right? So so yeah. this week's been a real kind of resurgence <laughs> ne- in ne- some songs I've actually week, liked. Next week will be quite pop music goes yeah. through phases and there's like sounds that people want to hear and then they kind of lose it and they sort of fall around and I think like there was definitely a trough in like 97, 98 and it's definitely come back a bit now mm. like the things have come back so yeah well we only really have one proper episode mm. left of 90% hits and then we'll do the Choose Your Own Adventure 1999 and then we'll have a very special episode of that up, yeah. so we don't have that much more to go so thank you for sticking with us uh, and Casey, do you want to let people know where they can find us on the internet? <sighs> 90% hits in all of the places <laughs> that you could think of. Um, and I think Facebook in particular, we love people. Yeah, Facebook's a good one. And, and um, We get to talk to people on Facebook. Yeah, and, like yeah, the, and Tumblr the Tumblr is, is a good is, one too. Yeah, always going gangbusters. Yeah. We post lots on that. And, um, you know, we'll post like some of the number twos at the time because there's going to be lots of number twos from this bloody week with all the songs that are like at the top for seven weeks. So... Yeah, we'll do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the last week uh, that we were doing just before we did this podcast, like the number two of that time period was Fuel by Metallica, which is awesome. We were just, oh. Oh, I was just jamming to that. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me a bunch of blah, blah, blah. That one. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the stupid phrases that kept coming up in the film. <laughs> and look, and, and please, you know, if you get a chance, uh, rate us on iTunes, send us a message on, on whatever platform you like. We love hearing from you and thank you for the people who have. Uh, we love chatting with you. I mean, we do this because we just want to talk crap with someone. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, and until next week, uh, if you hear what's happened to Mary, please let us know.
Ah. Wow. Yeah, it's really early to start spilling beer. Taxi. <laughs> wow, it really is 1998. People yeah. yell taxi when somebody spills a beer. <laughs> <laughs>